You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 385, Galileo! Jukebox musicals. Do you love them or loathe them? Phone calls are making a comeback. Not if Terence has his way. And why we won't be dining out at Crystal Palace. It's all coming up after Matthew Sweet and Girlfriend.
single taken from his third album, that's the criminally underrated Matthew Sweet, and from 1991, Girlfriend. Yes, couldn't agree more about him being underrated. Mm. Huge fan of Matthew Sweet. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 385. I'm Terence Stackham. Now, this is this is going to be a bit of a dodgy one because, you know, sometimes I try and do an intro based upon the opening track. And, yes, I, I know. I think, uh, I think that we need to try and avoid some I, sort I, of caution. I know. Is this, this isn't going to work, but I'll do it anyway. No one will notice. Uh, well, I, I have to do it in that smarmy game show host kind of voice as well. Oh, uh, man, <laughs> Okay. Okay, <laughs> she's so sweet, but she's not my girlfriend. She's Julia Harris. Thank you, thank you very much. I was going to, we could go if only I had queued up Prince. If I were your girlfriend, oh, yes. now that would have worked perfectly. That anyway, would have worked yeah, so, better. as yeah. deeply fond of you as I am, I think regular reasoners, regular listeners know the reasoning behind which uh, houses of love that made their, dare never speak its name. <laughs> anyway, hello everyone. Hope you're well. Well, I consider it a tragedy, but there we are. I know. Well, much like uh, Romeo and Juliet. In fact, one could say exactly. I, I, I. Fit the role of Romeo perfectly. <laughs> yes, you <really> <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I have never seen you both in the same room. Well, exactly. Earlier this week, I went along, I wouldn't say voluntarily, to see the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, um, a sort of biography of the life of uh, Freddie Mercury. I, I say sort of, as the script is very fast and loose with the true story of the, the band Queen. Well, yes, Ed, yes indeed. The, the, it's a bit of a slog to sit through, I have to say. Cheesy script, uh, catastrophic inaccuracies and chronological errors. Perhaps those that are big fans of Queen's music will see past all of the negatives, but I found it rather revisionist and, and I have to say, rather embarrassing. Now, the people behind Queen seem very keen on these peculiar rewrites... Um, whilst exploiting the, the past, Bohemian Rhapsody comes on the heels of the very, very odd "We Will Rock You" musical that mm. excruciatingly pits two characters, Galileo and Scaramouche. <laughs> up I still can't believe this happened, and that I people had it as well. And, and, and people go in in their thousand they droves to go and see this musical in the London West End. Galileo and Scaramouche, they go up against the baddies as they travel by bicycle to Wembley Stadium. That's the plot. (laughs) Now, alongside these calamities, we have jukebox musicals celebrating the lives of Michael Jackson, ABBA, the Beatles, the Kinks, the Small Faces. There's a long list. Now to be joined, Jules, by a movie based on the songs of Prince which we're told is to be in, I quote, the style of Mamma Mia. So, do you think the world needs a Mamma Mia-style version of Prince's songs? Well, and this is where I find it. I find it so strange. And maybe, and actually, it's interesting you make that point about Mm. We we Will Rock You, the jukebox musical, because actually there's some age to this musical now. Um, I'm just looking up when it first came out. Ben Elton wrote it, didn't he? He did, yes. Um, It was... first was amongst because i remember this being at the jubilee concert i think so this was yeah 2002 in the west end now i think perhaps there might have been a case for we will rock you in a way that there isn't a case for a jukebox musical now because 2002 Mm. um since in 2002 there was internet and it's not that there wasn't internet but Mm. we're still very much in the era of can you get off the phone please i want to use the internet (laughs) we i was still plugging various land cables into our modem at home (laughs) Um, 
now there was no smartphones and I think no proliferation of that's a good word, isn't it? Of, of internet word. of internet sort of YouTube was a thing, but I don't think YouTube had quite taken off. No yet. social media, um, sir. There was no social media, no Spotify, no smartphones. So you could genuinely make the argument then hmm. that there was less access to what we are now contractually obliged to call these heritage acts. Whereas now, mm, in twenty eighteen if you want to hear the music of Prince, and you are a fourteen-year-old who who you know has, has had you know, no no lifetime experience of Prince at his peak, I might say oh, that that sounds rude to speak a little deb. You know what I mean? Mm. That they weren't around for Purple Rain. Put it that way. Um, in the past, you might have your parents might have had it, and you might have been able to borrow it. Although records did very much go out of fashion, didn't they? Now they are back in fashion. Your parents might be more likely to have it. But why why try and dig out? you know a record when you can just go on to spotify and listen to prince mm. you can just go on to youtube and listen to prince you don't need that gateway as access anymore because it, it it's never been easier to access music at any time and i know that we, we often come back on the podcast of talking about whether or not that's a good thing but it it is a thing that is here so in the past you could say oh, well the good thing about the jukebox musicals is that it mm. allows easy access to these bands that very young people might not have been able to re- previously and that then will encourage them to go away and investigate albums there isn't that now which means all all they really are they just become about money being real mm. having said that i think we spoke previously about my experience of going to see motown the musical oh yes and, you enjoyed uh, it yeah. yeah i did and it was excellent but the thing that was slightly different about that was that barry gordy was involved mm. and it was the barry gordy story so obviously the storyline was rather wildly pro it was a bit of a hagiography frankly mm. for for barry gordy there wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh, shade it was mostly light it had to be said because it was him telling the story but it did have a story and as and it was i mean whilst it was an excuse for them to belt out and the way that they did it was they had 50 songs so they didn't do a lot of songs in full but they did excerpts and lots of songs it was really impressive and i really enjoyed it but they were telling a story that was a genuine story it wasn't this bizarro kind <laughs> of oh you know they go and see you know they they sail across the seven seas of rides mm. and the killer queen tries to stop them. it wasn't any of that kind of really tortuous kind of mm. shoehorning in of songs they were telling the story of motown which you know you might debate how accurate their account was but it was, you know, it was a, a thing that happened and a tale to be told. And it was essential in a way. The Motown music was there to tell the story of the record label. So so that made sense in a way that, you know, concocting this weird sort of um, this weird storyline didn't really. So in the past, I could see the argument for jukebox musicals as in, you know, it's uh, it, it is lazy. I think you do think, well, surely can you not just write write more musicals write different songs rather than recycling old ones but you could make an argument that it was a way of getting people into bands that otherwise it was it was so it was so much harder to access music from the past i think hmm. in the past than it is now dramas or musicals based around the lives and um music of course of pop or rock stars they don't have to be dreadful i, I was just remembering um, no it's not a contractual obligation no you don't really have to make it pants a handful of years ago itv broadcast that three-part biography of Scylla black which was beautifully oh, that was super, yeah. uh, beautifully scripted by jeff pope and, and of course the excellent um oh, sheridan smith, smith. Yeah, that, was, that was a career-making performance really I think. well she was absolutely outstanding as Scylla. and it's possible to do music bio uh, biopics as well because straight out of compton and 24-hour yes. party people, party they, they were both authentic excellent. and successful. Enjoyed that very much, yeah. but and gen- as was Control. 
the mm. um, the the, the Anton Corbin shot film that was the um, the, the Joy Division film. Yes, that, that's outstanding. True. But you know what? Despite um, my distaste for for all of this, I, I'm beginning to feel I might be in a minority because this is my idea of a night in hell. I have to say, just announced this week, the best of rock musicals live, hosted by Tim Rice at the Hammersmith Odeon in May of next year for several nights. Songs from We Will Rock You, Tommy Evita, Chess. So good luck with that. Mm. Um, that's, that's that's some mm. sort of that's a copy of a copy of a copy. I think I can't even work out how many copies of that is. That is that is going to be a blurry fax of a it's, news. It's for charity, it? so I'll I'll give it a pass. Okay, we'll a give them a free pass, free pass on that yeah. base. Yeah, but on that basis alone, can I just say rather sternly? I'm generally a calm sort of person, but if there's one <laughs> thing that is guaranteed to raise my anxiety levels, it's the sound of a telephone ringing. Mm. Um, apparently phone calls are, are due to make a comeback no thank you um, that's next right after the splendid girls are our best
I heard this on Mark Riley the other night um, on BBC Six Music. It was a taken from the Peel session, which was released commercially. And I've always been quite a fan of Girls at Our Best, mm. but I'd never come across that. I I just think that's brilliant. It's a I believe it's an it's an adaptation of a of a sort of a traditional gospel type number. I think anyway, and it's called This Train. Oh, they were great. I remember hearing their first single, Getting Nowhere Fast, on either Richard Skinner or Mike Reed shows on Radio One back in what, late 70s, early 80s, and then playing it myself on the radio at the time. I, do you know what? For some reason, I wondered what the members of uh, Girls at Our Best are, are doing now, and I, I just did a bit of Googling. Mm, yeah, that'd be and interesting. The know. guitarist, Jez, he's a course leader at Leeds College of Music, and mm. um, Judy the singer works at the ICA in London as an administrator. So, oh, that's interesting. Both still in the look, arts after yeah, 35 years. Yeah, that doesn't years. surprise me. And also, interestingly, there was so much good quality post-punk that mm. came from Leeds. Leeds was a real kind of um, sort of mecca for that kind of place, including the excellent Delta 5 as well. Were the Gang of Four, were they from Leeds? I believe, well, it's partly once sure. the thing that they, that they were mm. as well, and, and, and I also suspect that someone else might have been mm. as well. I'm now frantically Googling Leeds <laughs> post-punk, because this is a cul-de-sac that I would like to go down. Okay. So, um, so it, it's... It, you know, I'm just trying to look to see. There's a there's a, a, a DIY scheme, um, known as the DIY scene, but it's not giving me any information on oh, that. But okay. I think the post punk has been known for for its kind of um, yes. its its connections, and I think there are new post punk bands. Uh, Sheffield famous as well, of I course, think. Yes. I think that that sort of that area, mm. Yorkshire, do, doing quite well for post punk. I think. When I was a teenager, uh, long before, as we were saying earlier, smartphones and personal computers and so on, uh, the internet, or more or less any virus technology back in those dark ages it was exciting to receive a phone call to make plans make plans with friends chat with your girlfriend that sort of thing it was all good somehow in the intervening decades we've evolved especially at home um, as opposed to the office into a world where the only phone calls we receive now are from elderly relatives or <laughs> n- nuisance <laughs> calls. <Telemarketers>, yes. <laughs> yeah, nuisance got people um, telling us we owe money to the tax man and we must hand over our credit card details at once, that sort of thing. It's now several years since I stopped owning a landline at home because it was just pointless um, and never used it. And if my smartphone rings, unless I recognise the number... I don't answer it, and I must, to be truthful, sometimes if I do recognise a number, I don't, I don't answer it. Um, I, I, I think I belong to a growing band of people who've lost the art of speaking on the phone. Now, some experts are telling us that it's, it improves our lives and our relationships if we try and speak on the phone more often. I'm not buying it, but Jules, are, are you a, t- a telephone chatterer? I have to say, the age of email was very good for me because it meant that I didn't have to talk to people at work on the phone. I could email. But there's a downside to it, which is, and I'm speaking about myself from sort of a work perspective Mm. and what I do with trying to do things with clients and speaking to them. And it's easy to be frightened of the telephone, I think, because it is intimate in a way that the written word isn't. And it's amazing how many nuances and cadences that, that that you miss in emails and you miss in the written form and text messages and things like that and it's so easy for things to be misinterpreted and you know again I, I, I'm a sort of trustee for, for somebody and recently we had a, a big issue 
over a communication that our solicitor had sent to, to, to somebody and it had been completely missing. He'd got the wrong end of the stick and he'd, he'd expressed himself in a way that could be interpreted as having been very aggressive well, and it really damaged the relationship and we had to work very hard to repair that then ourselves by having a face-to-face a face -to -face meeting which was arranged on the telephone and it's, it's amazing how emails and things, mm. you know, they can different people read read or interpret sentences in different ways whereas if you're speaking to someone on the telephone it's still nothing's as good as speaking to someone face to face if you really want to understand and communicate and get yourself across mm. as to what's going on but actually the telephone does give us an intimacy that, that the written word doesn't i think and that's why and this is very deep here the psychologist mm. at the rocking vicar running towards me as i speak but um mm. that's why i think i find i'm nervous of using the telephone nowadays when i was younger as a teenager i used to yabber all the time about nothing to my friends because we didn't have that was what we had we didn't have you know i think i got a mobile phone that you know it was one of those old ones where someone walked in front of it with a white flag you know they were quite they were quite <laughs> old-fashioned when i went to sixth form college i didn't have you know i wasn't one of these kids that had smartphones at mm. home and i'm glad frankly it was it was you know it was very different like you say and so i can understand why being on the telephone i i have that nervousness of speaking on the phone mm. like you do maybe because it's a i don't want to say fear of in intimacy because that sounds so deep man but you know what i mean it's it, it it's very exposing being on the phone in a way that and also you you have less control over the phone in a way although although you don't know what someone's going to say to you in response to email when you're writing an email or a text message you have that time you have lots mm. of time to compose your own thoughts and to what well, compose an email as it says and to and to order your thoughts and to and to put them in a way that you know if you think oh well maybe i shouldn't put it like that maybe that's going to mm. cross a bit you know a bit abrasive or whatever you can then you can then rephrase it and you can't do that on the telephone and so because you haven't got that time to do that it also feels like you've got because you can because you're having to be more spontaneous you have even less control over the reaction that comes back. So I can understand nervousness on the telephone, but it does have a very great function. Hmm. No, yes, that's, that's, that's a good point. The intimacy point, I think, is is certainly very valid with me. Yeah. yeah, there was a brief time between um, the old popularity of traditional phone calls and and modern texting and 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 whatever. When it was nearly always men, wasn't it? People used to think that the that new innovative Bluetooth earpieces were the coolest invention ever, and small earpieces oh, yes. that made people look like they were insane and talking to themselves as they loudly processed along the the street. Well, the, the larger ones. I remember once mm. I had a fairly dreadful boss when I was trading who was quite posh and it occasionally used to show off about his collisions with the modern world, which really were collisions, I think. And I can remember walking in once and one of his daughter, teenage daughters had got a Bluetooth headset. Uh, Bluetooth headset. I think he called it a blue shoe, but one point <laughs> he thought it was quite funny. And it was one of the slightly bigger ones. And he said, "Do you like my new Bluetooth headset?" <laughs> and I said, I, I, "I perhaps again had I had I been in an email, I would have been able to put this better." But instead, I said the first thing that came into my head, which was, "I think it makes you look like a mini cab driver." His <laughs> reaction, do. unfortunately, uh, not suitable for, no. uh, for repeating on this podcast. But yes, they are. Mm. You know, everyone became a mini cab driver for a bit, didn't they? And um, 
you know, you're talk- we're talking about the intimacy bit there. The other development that never has re- never really taken off is FaceTime, because only a few <laughs> years ago we were being persuaded that we'd all be talking to each other whilst looking at live close-ups of each other's faces. And I, th- I think happily, really, that never took off, does it? I, I, I never use that FaceTime feature on my uh, iPhone. No, I did. I'd want to occasionally, if I've been in relationships, it's mm. quite nice to have that. Again, it's, it goes back to the intimacy point again. And it's, mm. It goes back to that kind of being able to to read someone's you know body language, read someone's facial emotions, and and it, and again it gives a bigger level of intimacy that even speaking on the phone does. So mm. there aren't many people I would FaceTime, but um, but yeah, that's um, that that's quite a useful thing. Oh, well, one sentence summary of my position is: text me, email me, but please, please don't call me. Um, yeah, it's ironic, <laughs> given that this is how we do this podcast every single week. Unless, unless you want to do a podcast, I was going to say I'm not doing this podcast via text. I think that's a bit. That's a bit. I think that's a bit too big a ask of my patience, frankly. Yeah, that, 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 yes. Each each um, recording would be about twenty four hours long. Half hours, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're not going to be eating out at Crystal Palace. <laughs> we'll, no. te- we'll tell you why. Run it after Dream Academy. Good times for a change. Seems like I've had to make a good man turn back. So please, please, please Let me, let me, let me Let me get what I want this time
I will probably incur the wrath of fans of the Smiths, but I'm. Oh, here we go. Uh, uh, no, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to say it. A cover version that eclipses the original. Um, This version recorded in 1985 for the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, the excellent Dream Academy, and please, please, please let me get what I want. Um, Jules, quite recently, I I, I talked about the incredible rip-off of paying £3.30 for a tiny bottle of water at Stamford Bridge. Only last Sunday I was at Stamford Bridge for a rather run-of-the-mill 2-0 uh, win over Fulham, and I noticed at the, at the public bars under the stand the outrageous prices for meagre portions of fast food. But the production and serving of food at sporting events, to be fair, is often difficult. Particularly mm, outside o- catering is hard. Older stadia, like Stamford Bridge, they weren't set up to produce the kind of quality food we expect today. Indeed, when Stamford Bridge, as my example, was built, a cup of tea was probably the very best anyone could expect. However, Jules, you found out some very good reasons why neither of us will be going out, we won't be going out of our way to have lunch at Crystal Palace's training ground. Yeah, um, so so fairly poor news for Crystal Palace this week. <laughs> I do enjoy the the, um, the the headlines. Well, so basically, the, the long story is Crystal Palace's training ground gets zero food hygiene rating. And for people that are unfamiliar with the food hygiene system, it's marked out of five. But but zero is is you know it, there is no number lower than zero. I think that's universal, mm, isn't it? I think don't so. don't at me about minus numbers, guys. But um, but no, the, the zero is the lowest it can get. Um, if you want an even shorter pithy summary of where that is, <laughs> quote unquote significant mouse problem close close i know not ideal (laughs) the kitchen at the club's training ground was given a zero food hygiene rating because inspectors found it had been inspected with i'm sorry infected with mice for several months um basically the kitchen caters from players and staff and it had to be shut down and uh, this is such a i love how when news reporting plays it with a straight bat um they've quoted the report and you think oh are they going to quote all the terrible things in the report what are they going to pull out from the report (laughs) Poor quote from the report in this Guardian article is, you have been given a food hygiene rating of zero. That's 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 what the most exciting thing they found to pull out of the report. You're about saying there's mice. Could you not have found a more snappy poor quote than that? But anyway, um, it's uh, it it is clear that you haven't managed the problem effectively, and the activity has been ongoing for several months. Well, many of that us could say that about many things in our lives. But anyway, um, it all's gone a bit wrong. They're they're reassuring us that it's all been sorted out now. But yes, don't I, I don't suppose the problem is eating at Crystal Palace as a fan. The problem is don't I, I'd advise our you know, people listening and younger listeners do not train with Crystal Palace and then go in into their training ground because you might have some sort of ready um, ursine companions. <laughs> to receive um, a hygiene rating of zero is pretty damning. But I don't know if this report can be used as an excuse why Crystal Palace have scored um, only 11 goals this season, only Huddersfield Town have uh, scored fewer. Um, Christian... Perhaps the mice have had their Weetabix, is all I can well, say. It could be a, a, Christian Benteke will probably explain that's why his last goal for Palace was back on... April the 28th. It's all down to the mice um, at the right. training yeah, ground. Indeed. Yeah. Rat in my kitchen, as you used to oh. eat. Maybe we should have picked, I should have picked that as oh, my newsworthy tutor. Though. Apologies for that, listeners. 
Um, I, I, I do. It did make me just reconsider a subject that has popped up before. I do continue to to wonder, and I see this at. at um, I go to Chelsea a fair bit, and I see this quite often. Why people can't attend a football match that lasts for ninety minutes without feeling the need to endlessly pile back and forth to food and drink concessions? And we've noted this, noticed the, uh, the same sort of behaviour at gigs where people pay 150 quid Absolutely. to go and see Paul McCartney or Fleetwood Mac or whoever and then spend half the gig going up and down stairs with beers and hot dogs uh, you know people eh, you know as, as they say Absolutely indeed indeed it does seem a bit um, it does seem a bit excessive as well and like you say the money that these people pile in mm. you can there is a website telling you how much food and drink is at various football clubs and it is it is quite surprising even the um even the, the, the smaller clubs, you know, if you want a burger and chips and a drink, you know, mm. I would I would joke about wanting to remortgage, but you know, I still mm. don't think I still don't think you get much change out of ten pounds. Even if you went to Burnley and this is not a mm. not a criticism of, of, of Turf Moor or Burnley, my dad is a big fan, but you know, it's it's Burnley is a is a even though they're in the, the Premier League there, it's not quite you could expect having to remortgage at Chelsea or Manchester mm. City or somewhere like that. If you want to buy a programme, a pie and a cup of tea at Burnley, you still only just about get change from a tenner. Yeah, it's just very, mm. very poor. Well, Chelsea have just put the price of their programmes up this season to £3.50, and it's a very flimsy read. And well, it's all advertising. Uh, and the... Um, you, like a, a burger and chips, I've never had it there, but I noticed the uh, pricing on, on it. It's um, I think eight pound fifty, and the chips are, are an absolute disgrace. You get about they, they, those like lattice fries. Do you, oh, you know what yes, I mean? You get yes, about yes. eight of those in a, in a little cardboard box as your portion of fries. It's it's and it's terrible. weird, isn't it? And and when I went to um, I went to to see Brighton play in corporate um, entertaining a couple of years ago, and I, they said oh, we're going to eat in corporate hospitality and I mm. thought oh this is going to be really nice it's a lovely ground at Brighton and the food was nice but it was it was literally chicken burger and chips in a basket yeah. and I'm like this is the corporate bit guys this is meant to be the bit where you're trying to impress us whereas you know it's not exactly um yeah, it's not exactly oak cuisine is it really but I, I decided to go in a different direction with um with this food and instead I thought I'd take us through the top 10 oh. rodent footballers or <laughs> links to rodents in football are you ready for oh, this oh I'm Terry? ready yeah okay so we've got Gary Mabbott having part of his food chewed part of his foot chewed off by a rat when he was asleep once in a hotel oh whilst away God. not ideal um, but did you know that Benin or Ben I don't know sorry, the, the African country is mm. Benin I think mm. their national team is nicknamed the squirrels did not know that <laughs> there was 1930s comic strip footballer Mighty Mouse. Um, the footballer Daniel bon- Fonseca is nicknamed the Beaver. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Who, who knew? Frankly, yes, a bit. I don't really want to know how we got there no. on that. Um, we've also got a footballer, um, Re- uh, Roberto Ayala, who's nicknamed the Mouse. Um, I've included Shrewsbury in this, or Shrewsbury, on yeah. the basis that they have got the name the Shrews. Um, they also <laughs> oh, brilliantly God. had a player that played for the Shrews at one point from Hastings called Paul Beavers. So uh, I'm glad that he found <laughs> the right place for him. Uh, there's also there was also a player nicknamed the Rabbit as well, which I don't know if rabbits are rabbits or rodents. But um, we've got Javi, uh, Javier Saviola, who was nicknamed the Rabbit. And 
and also I'm a very big fan of this. I was doing some research, and I have to say it was it was quite it was quite fun. Fun. There was a, a hamster that was nicknamed that was named after Northern Ireland footballer Will Grigg that tried to predict football results <laughs> for, for the Northern Irish team in 2016. That um, but a freewheeling hamster is giving the Green and White Army something to gnaw on after successfully predicting the result of Northern Ireland's first game against Poland. The hamster was named after Northern Ireland striker and viral internet craze star Will Grigg by the staff at Pets at Home in Stockport. I do like this story, I must admit. <laughs> they also had Harry and Gareth as well, who were Harry Kane and Gareth Bale, and they put them into plastic balls ahead of the Euros um, to see if they could, they could predict them, really. Unfortunately... Um, Harry and Gareth's matches failed to match the outcome of the actual matches, and Will Griggs, um, yeah, Will, Will Griggs and Hamster, I think, then came to a bit of a halt after a while. But yes, well, who knew there was such a there was such a uh, <laughs> someone had a also there there've been various sorts of fans having hamsters confiscated from them when they go to watch football. They don't feel they can watch football without the hamsters, oh, which is Lord. a very well maybe maybe their comfort maybe their emotional yes. support hamsters to go back to another topic mm. we spoke about previously. I don't know, but anyway, who knew there was such a connection but I, I do think that Paul Beavers playing for Shrewsbury is possibly my favourite. It's <laughs> excellent. Um when you're not um reenacting the life of the Pied Piper of Hamlin coaxing rats and mice out of football grounds. <laughs> yes indeed that, that is a sideline that I've developed it has to be said. And when you're not FaceTiming and texting, um where can we find you this week? Oh, bit of a busy week this week. Oh, good. So, um, I've got I'm my going, pen ready. I'm going to see Big Joni. Um, what a what mm. a band name that is, which is a, 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 a all all female, all ethnic, well, it's all black and ethnic minority punk band. They're brilliant in Brighton at the Prince Albert on Monday night. So I would recommend that entirely. Mm. I'm going to. What else am I doing? I'm going. Uh, doing Indie Wonderland, I hope, a technology permission on when, on Wednesday evening. Indie Alt Rock on Miscellaneous, www.barricaderadio.com, 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, there's a music quiz at the Printworks, run by my friends Wow and Flutter in Hastings on Thursday evening. Looking forward to that. And then for those of you that are in the greater Hastings area, as I shall grandly call it, I'm at the Printworks on Saturday the 15th of December doing uh, basically loads of fun tunes from 9.30 to 1.30. That is a full week indeed. It is, isn't it? Thanks to you for listening. Yes, you, particularly you. Particularly, and thanks to executive producers Rona and Hilly. Always, always at all times. To play us out, a track from a new album that Uncut magazine describes as purring, pulsating and bathed in neon. Yeah, much like your good self, Terence, if I might say. Very yes. true. Um, so, very yeah, true. very true. Yes. So, so I think this is probably one of my records of the year. I really mm. like this, and um, it got played a lot on Six Music. And the it's a it's a great song. I really like Soul Wax. I always have. Not just their 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 musicy type stuff, but also they're known as too many DJs, and they really mm. did pioneer the kind of the mashup and the and the the interesting mix of two tunes. Uh, they are they are terrific. There's much to like about them. This comes. From their album essential and obviously it took them a very long time <laughs> to think of all the track names because tracks one to twelve were called essential one two three four five etc so you know clearly much like einstein they didn't want to expend their brain power in unnecessary ways so this is track four on the album shockingly called essential four
You have been listening to a DAC Media Production.